I'm Jen Horn. And I'm Ayan De La Torre. And you're listening to Mooney on This, the show where we talk about the challenges and possibilities in creating a more mindful and livable world. The people are like the sea. On the surface, they may seem calm and quiet for a long time. But deep down, there are powerful currents of discontent. One day, those in power will wake up and will be surprised that the waves have risen and are repeatedly smashing against the walls they have built to protect their privilege and power. When I find myself losing hope, I often refer back to what my father, Ed de la Torre, said about the waves of change. It was something he picked up when he was detained as a political prisoner during the Marcos regime, and it feels relevant with our current situation. We just celebrated Independence Day, but it's weird to celebrate when it feels like our freedoms are being threatened with the anti-terrorism bill. Malaya nga ba tayo ngayon? The freedom I am most concerned of protecting is our freedom to speak our minds, our freedom to dissent, and our freedom to engage in critical discourse with our government without fearing for our safety. Late last year, articles circulated on local news sites like Inquirer, Rappler, and international ones like The New York Times and The Guardian about how the Philippines is one of the most deadly places to be an environmental activist. And they would cite the report by Global Witness. So it's an international organization that tracks the murders of those who resist mining, farming, logging, and other powerful industries that damage ecosystems and drive people off their land. And they also share the numbers with inquirers citing 113 killings since President Duterte assumed office. And with the anti-terror bill, environmental defenders face greater dangers in being labeled or red-tagged as terrorists. If enacted, the anti-terrorism bill will ease the legal restrictions on law enforcement in defining who is a terrorist and what rights the terrorists have under the law. In particular, it will allow the warrantless arrest and detainment of those the government-appointed anti-terror council deems suspicious. Suspicious activities could range from attempting to damage government property to simply criticizing the administration online. In this episode, we hope to tell the stories behind those numbers, and we hope by putting names to some statistics that you find more empathy for our environmental defenders and more anger for those who oppress them. And so we asked environmental activists Chuck Baklagon of 350.org, Krishna Ariola of Youth for Climate Hope, and Isa Barte of Fund the Forest to share their stories and that of other environmental defenders, and how the anti-terrorism bill impacts them and their work. Listen to Chuck as he shares one of the stories from the Global Witness Report. Well, the case of Gloria Capitan is very interesting because she's the first recorded uh, extrajudicial killing when Rodrigo Duterte took his office as president. She died in July 1, 2016. Uh, she was a community organizer who was leading the fight against a coal ash stockpile in Limay, Bataan. The incident happened as she was uh, doing yung chores 
kasi meron siyang uh, karaoke, video kehan na kantina. And while they were singing, merong unknown person who alighted from his motorcycle, lumapit kay Gloria, and then parang niyakap siya. Tapos a gunfire was heard. And then as soon as that happened, the guys sped off in his motorcycle. And uh, namatay si Gloria. Uh, also in that incident, was injured yung isa niyang apo. Because nung binaril siya, nakakandong sa kanya yung isang ano, infant na apo niya. Ako si Chuck Baklagon. I currently work as the Associate Director for Asia Campaigns ng 350.org, a global climate organization that works for climate action that is based on the realities of science and grounded on the principles of justice. And I also am a volunteer of the local collective ng 350.org dito sa Philippines. Well, yung si Gloria Capitan kasi ano eh, yung area of advocacy niya works closely with 350. Uh, yung name kasi na 350, ano siya, ang significance nun, it's a number that relates to yung dami ng carbon dioxide in our atmosphere. Uh, 350 parts per million. Yun daw yung ideal na dami lang niya to enable life to thrive in its diversity. Unfortunately, lumagpas na tayo na sa 400 plus parts per million na. And yung bulto nung, ano, nung majority of the carbon emissions come from energy. In particular, yung energy na nanggagaling sa fossil fuels tulad ng coal, which is part of yung tinututulan ni Gloria. Pag sinunog mo yung coal, syempre may asya. Nilagay sa barangay nila. And yung motivation niya, niya ang simple lang kasi ano siya eh. Meron siyang yung videokehan, tas pag umaga, karinderya siya. Noong nag-apply siya ng health permit sa DOH, dahil yung ash nililipad sa kainan niya, hindi siya binigyan ng health permit. Yan yung simula ng advocacy niya. We, we often hear that the EJ case happen only for suspected people who are involved in illegal drugs. But when in fact, yung first act of violence that came from this regime was done to a grandmother uh, and a community organizer in a very far-flung community sa Manila. Chuck worries that the provisions of the anti-terror bill are broad and could equate terror crimes with the work of activists. And he cites many examples of unjust arrest happening now, even when the anti-terror bill is not passed as a law. Kasi meron clause na sabi, acts that are intended to cause extensive interference with infrastructure or cause extensive interference to economic activity, and which could mean many things. And, and yung isang bagay din, pwede ba nating sabihin na kung unari, nag-rally, nagkaroon ng traffic jam, would it be interpreted as a form of interference? Uh, if kunwari, cyclists want to protect their right to access the roads and they would hold a critical mass ride or yung recent na ginawa ng Bikers United Marshall, nag-create sila ng, naglagay sila ng road cones tapos sila nag-traffic, would that be considered as a form of interference? Or yung mga katutubo natin na madalas, dahil yung lupain nila yung merong maraming natural resources, sila yung nasa bulto ng pagkilos laban sa mga destructive, energy, destructive projects na supported ng government which would include yung mga extractive industries like mines pero kasama rin dyan yung mga energy projects like coal plants or yung mga damaging na projects tulad ng dams, uh, pwedeng masubmerge yung communities nila. Tapos kasama rin dun yung mga plantations na maglilikha ng monoculture sa bio- 
ecologically diverse regions. Chuck also cited the provision on the bill stating that organizations could be penalized for doing relief drives that are not recognized by the state. Again, he cited examples of initiatives that caused arrests or red tagging. Again, does that mean may mga independent na acts ng ganyan eh, mga mutual aid na baka interpret as crimes? Yeah. For example, may yung mga maliliit na anarchist collectives dito who are doing free sharing of vegan and vegetarian food sa mga homeless through yung tinatawag nilang food not bombs. Would that be considered as terrorism? Pero yung fears na yun, pwede kasi natin sabihin speculation lang yun. Eh. Hindi pa naman kasi naisa sa batas yung bill. Pero ano siya eh, may president tayo bakit we are saying that those things are problematic? Because yung may mga acts of coercion done by state forces already to activists and individuals and people and communities. Isang example niyan yung ano, kung naalala nyo noong 2017, uh, meron yung tinatawag na Tamasco 8. Tapos yung prominent doon yung village chieftain, si Dato Victor Danayan. Uh, nagre-resist sila ng development aggression from the state dahil gustong magtayo ng plantation at naminahan dun sa lugar nila sa Lake Cebu, South Cotabato. Uh, ang nangyari, organized yung persecution sa kanila na una, ni-red tag sila. They were identified as working with insurgents. Tapos, hinaras yung community nila. Uh, Tapos, may regular na shelling pa nga ng, ano, ng ammunition sa lugar nila. And the guys of laban sa insurgency. Tapos, eventually, na-murder sila. Uh, until now, wala pa rin abante yung kaso na yun. Tapos, yung Labor Day lang, yung arrest ng 10 volunteers mula sa ano, yung bayanihang Marikenyo at Marikenya. Ano yun, community kitchen lang yun. Eh. Nagwagawa ng feeding program for yung marginalized communities under nung lockdown. Uh, hindi raw kasi sila recognize, kaya kinulong sila. Insulting yun kasi ano siya, eh, di ba? Gumawa na sila ng initiative dahil hindi nagagampanan ng state yung trabaho niya. Pero they were penalized as though they were committing crimes. And all of these things already are already happening without the anti-terror bill being implemented. So what more if the state is given more power to persecute those that it deems subversive or terrorist? Diba? Yung ano din, ang malungkot nung kasi ano eh, Those things are being done not just ano, to survive and thrive ng mga tao. Those things are being done dahil merong clear na pagkukulang sa social services. And most of those things are not being done to undermine government efforts but actually to build on gaps na nandoon na pinupunuan nila. And I think yung ano, acts of political persecution do more harm than good kasi ano yun eh. If you delay yung feeding program, it, it stalls the delivery of assistance na binibigyan ng organization na yun to marginalized sectors. Environmental defenders and community organizers, yung mga development workers, actually should be able to do their work without fear of harm and persecution. Before we ended our conversation, we asked Chuck where he draws hope and strength from, and he re-emphasized the importance of the pursuit of a truly free and democratic society where there is an environment conducive for citizens to actively participate in politics, civic life, and the liberties that come with that. Kasama dito yung exercising, yung constitutionally protected rights nila to political expression, to express dissent, or to affiliate themselves to particular interest groups as part of civil society that should inform and influence yung policymaking ng government so that it ensures yung, ano, yung common good 
but also ensure the basic rights of individuals are not just promoted but also protected. We draw hope lagi sa, ano eh, sa dedication of individuals and communities, especially among the oppressed and the marginalized, to go beyond themselves, to assert their rights. That's where we get our hope. Dahil alam din naman natin na ano eh, bagamat challenging siya sa immediate, makikita rin naman natin na ano eh, uh, how history unfolds always uh, bends towards yung sa ano sa justice and yung pag-recognize ng, ano, ng inherent value of life. After the break, we hear briefly from young female activists Krishna Ariola and Isa Barte. They've used their voices to engage more of the youth to be informed about issues, spread the word, and take action. Here's Krishna as she shares the story of Jimmy Saipan, one of the environmental defenders whose story is also told in the Global Witness Report. Jimmy Saipan is an environmental defender from Compostela Farmers Association, and he was threatened and intimidated by military forces when his group struggled to protect their land against mining companies. He died after being shot in the stomach by two gunmen on a motorcycle after having survived two assassination attempts the very same year. No one had been prosecuted for his murder, but an official report by the Commission on Human Rights contained allegations that Saipan had previously received verbal threats from leading military officers. He was basically a victim of state forces in the interest of profit in big businesses. I'm Krishna Ariola. I am a 22-year-old environmental activist from Negros Occidental, and I am currently based in Bacolod City. I am also one of the founding members of Youth for Climate Hope, which is um, the youth organization that led the successful campaign for a coal-free Negros. On March 6, 2019, Youth for Climate Hope went on strike against coal in front of the Negros Occidental provincial capital. It was a silent protest that prompted the governor to declare Negros Occidental coal-free. And this is really a testament to the power of both youth mobilization and peaceful protest. We actually started as a group of friends who saw each other every day because we wanted to talk about the environment and the issues in our community. Back then, our timelines were full of news about the climate crisis, and it was depressing to say the least. And we wanted to find a reason to continue. And that's when we formed Youth for Climate Hope, because we realized that hope was our currency. We had no resources, no office space, no structure. All that kept us going was the hope and belief that we had in each other's capabilities, potentials, and passions. Those wins were made possible by their ability to engage in protest activities outside the Capitol building. With the anti-terrorism bill, Krishna says it could be riskier for them to engage in such activities. As young environmental activists, speaking up and fighting for system change means that we are very vulnerable to targeted attacks and threats once this becomes law. Any form of protest, criticism, or dissent can be labeled as terrorism. And with the track record of this administration's human rights violations in the past four years, abusing the greater powers given to them by this bill is not far-fetched. We have to create a culture of care, 
by establishing support groups and safe spaces while resisting against social injustice. In the middle of this political climate where there are threats, attacks, and violence everywhere, that is something that we need to create for our community. We need to build stronger communities who will be there to safeguard the rights of all. Right now that we are in the middle of multiple crises all at once, we strongly believe that this still holds true, that hope is still our currency. Because despite the hopelessness and the bad news that we get every day, as long as we see and we can help others see that there is a future to look forward to, that there are better normals waiting for us after all of this, then our currency will never run out. We can always find a reason to get back up and join the fight and add our voices to the struggle. To cap off this episode, we spoke with digital artist and environmentalist Isa Barte. She has used her art as a platform for expression and activism, and her work evokes emotion and influences her followers to be more politically engaged, thanks to the strength of the messages conveyed in her illustrations. Hi, I'm Isa. I'm 24 years old, and I'm one of the founders of Fund the Forest here in the Philippines. So we're a nonprofit project with a team of eight that tries to bring to light like social and environment issues by offering also like ways people can be part of the solution to those issues. For Isa, to be an advocate of the planet means you also need to be an advocate for its people. You cannot fight for one and disregard the other. So it's really been a long fight to protect our nature and our home and a dangerous one for that matter. But it's really always been more than fighting for our forests and our oceans. Like to be an advocate is to see the whole picture, to see the relationship between our home and our people. The people who rely on our nature and have done the least in its degradation have long suffered the consequences of the big guys destroying our home. When we talk about these like environmental issues, it's definitely a socio-economic issue as well. The ATB makes this harder to navigate through when advocates like us and orgs that work through these issues are vulnerable to being red tagged. They've been red tagging advocates long before this bill, so how can we feel safe that the vagueness of its terms puts us at stake. At FTF, we use our voices to advocate for our communities. We were only able to help when we were able to share our stories. This bill imposes on our right to speak freely and point out where the government can do better because they definitely should be doing better. It frightens us and it shouldn't be that way. We wanted to know Isa's thoughts on how we can use stories to encourage others to speak up about social and environmental issues. I think the first thing we have to do is that there's this thing going around that's saying um, the new normal, right? The new, the new normal has to be completely new. When we look back at our past, we, a lot of us like miss not having all of these problems, right? But we've always had these problems. So my point is when we look back, we shouldn't look back to build our that kind of past again. We should look back to see where we went wrong, 
because we did so many things wrong. And that's why there are millions, I'm not even exaggerating this number at this point, millions suffering because we failed to see it before. We failed to act on it before. What we need to do now is show our solidarity with our countrymen to fight for our voices. If the intent of the bill was to frighten us, then we can't let them win. It's only in our loudness, whether online or in the streets, that they can see we are strong and we have power and we know what's right and we definitely will not stand for anything less. Art as a tool to voice out has been used for ages and we need to do more to come together today to move towards a better future. And we ended our conversation with Isa on the topic of hope. What keeps her going despite all of the challenges and setbacks? I feel like the only reason anyone today is fighting for something is because they're sure that there's something better that we can get to. And that's what gives me hope, that there's still people out there who know and believe in full faith that we deserve so much more than what we're getting right now. Courage is not the absence of fear or feelings of despair, but the ability to take action in spite of it. We find courage in the people featured in this episode who fight even against the odds, and in the people who help us believe that there can be greater things at the other side of this, especially when we find collective hope and strength in each other. As a follow-up to this episode, we're organizing a Mooney Meetup on starting a movement together with our guests from this episode, Chuck, Krishna, and Isa, to talk about how we might encourage individuals and communities to take action we need to protect nature and our freedom. That's happening on June 27 at 3 p.m. And we also hope this meetup can help us process our thoughts and feelings on what it is like to be a Filipino in this challenging time. So please join us via the link on the episode description. There you'll also find another link to find information and references for this episode, including links to related articles and the Global Witness Report. This episode was produced by Mooney. It was hosted and written by Jen Horn and Ayan De La Torre, edited by podwiz.com.au, with music by Diego Mapa and branding by Sirius Studio.